Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. All right, welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today I'm joined by Brooks Braga. Brooks is the co-founder and director of training at BRX Performance in Milwaukee. Brooks grew up in the Madison area and was a star multi-sport athlete in uh, Wisconsin in football, baseball, and basketball. He played college baseball at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, where he completed a degree in exercise and sports science with a minor in nutrition. As part of his program, he interned at Cressy Sports Performance in Boston, Massachusetts, where he learned in an environment training hundreds of professional baseball players. He then co-founded BRX Performance and currently trains hundreds of high school, local high school athletes, college players, and several professional baseball players. So welcome to the show, Brooks, and thanks for coming on. I'm excited to ch- chat about training and uh, baseball players today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for starters, what got you into performance training and wanting to be a strength and conditioning coach? Well, I actually started as a sports management major um, at lacrosse, and I went in thinking I was going to be kind of going more towards like the business side of things, but um, I did an internship my freshman year after um, uh, my freshman year at lacrosse at a place called Monkey Bar Gymnasium in Madison, and uh, the owner there, John Hines, kind of had me like in both sides as far as like the fitness side and also the sports management side. And uh, I actually just really enjoyed the fitness side more. And uh, so after that year, I switched my major to um, kinesiology or exercise science, as they call it at lacrosse. And I uh, really just kind of didn't look back from there. Um, I really knew that like I, my perfect world, I wanted to train baseball players uh, in a strength training setting. And so, you know, what better place to do that than Cressy Performance? And so that was where I did my internship after I finished my senior year at lacrosse. And um, that's kind of, I guess, the humble beginnings as far as how we got started here. That's awesome. So let's dig into uh, baseball players um, a little bit more. I think it's a definitely unique population and they kind of require a lot of different physical qualities. What are some of the unique challenges that you see as you start to train a baseball player? Yeah, I think, uh, I think baseball is like that sport where it's like historically like a population that doesn't take the weight room seriously. And so I'd say like that's probably the biggest hurdle is like getting kids like bought in and excited, especially in the sport of baseball. I think that's changing. Um, but I know back when I was in college, like just thinking at lacrosse, it was like half the team be working out, half the team would be sitting on the benches. And uh, so I'd say just like getting kids excited that, hey, like this, like this avenue as far as training is like in many cases the the, the solution to the gap between where you are now, where you want to be. Um, I'd say that's one. Um, uh, I think what's interesting about baseball too, is I use this example, like I tore my labrum uh, at my, my senior year at lacrosse and uh, I only had pain in the fully externally rotated position, but I could have played a football game pain-free. So I think, you know, just educating baseball players on the idea that it's not just about how strong you are, it's about getting strong in the right areas, timing, 
Um, and that comes with really like, you know, like movement quality is important for every sport, but for a sport like baseball, like in the gym, movement quality is, is, is number one. So I'd say that's one thing. Um, really as far as other challenges, I'd say just, um, you know, we live in a day and age of like every sport is expecting you to, to dedicate your own time, whether it's, you know, baseball players being asked to throw bullpens and, uh, November with their travel teams going to a random tournament in Florida, as a, uh, you know, in February. Um, so I think just being able to, uh, you know, understand that, you know, we're not going to be peaking for like one part of the year when it comes to training baseball players, but just making sure they're ready to go uh, the entire year and then educating them when they're, you know, maybe doing something that's counterproductive to their ultimate goal. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think uh, some really good points there. I mean, it's just such a unique sport in terms of um, there's a lot of different ways to be successful at it. Like we see athletes that are that are freaks with tons of hypermobility and they can do all these crazy ranges of motion. And then you see also other players that are still extremely successful, um, but you know, much tighter and just kind of a, a different makeup. So I think that, um, you know, kind of talking about getting strong in some of those positions is, is uh, really interesting. Um, so we kind of started this show and one of the things that we really want to address and kind of give people a, a chance to uh, tackle is some common myths. So you see any common myths or misconceptions um, as it comes to training baseball players? Oh, there's there's too many to count. Um, but I'd say one of the biggest ones is um, I should leave a training session feeling exhausted. And if I didn't, like it was a waste of my time. So uh, I guess what I mean by that is I get I'm a big, big analogy guy and kind of saying, hey, well, if you wouldn't do this, why would you do that? Yeah. And so I kind of give the example of, you know, just imagine like a kid's taking eight ground balls from the infield. And the, the goal is to like not care if you hit the first baseman in the chest when you throw, but just like throw in his general direction. Right. And what I care about more than hitting the first baseman in the chest is like every throw should be as quick as possible with a disregard for form and location, right? Yeah. But as long as you're sweating by the end of those eight reps, like then it was a good it was a good series of eight reps. And no coach would say that, right? They would say, hey, like obviously don't take forever getting rid of the ball, but like, but like ultimately like field it cleanly, get rid of the ball, quick transfer, and hit the first baseman in the chest. And really, like to me, like training is no different when it comes to training baseball players. Like, yes, we don't want to be lollygagging around the gym. But at the end of the day, like if you're cranking out your band work and you're not feeling it in the right area, like it was a waste of your time, right? And so it's about that blend between like working hard but working smart and making sure you're getting your stuff done correctly. Yeah, I think that's awesome. That's one of the things that uh, we we see too. The analogy we use is like um, when people go back to um, to hitting for the first time, like they just got the bucket of balls in front of them and a tee or somebody throwing them soft toss and it's just. 50, 100 yeah. swings, and it's like... Empty swings. Right? Yeah, and you're like, are you working on anything? Are you trying to hit a ball the right field, trying to pull one? Yeah. Or are you just making yourself tired and getting nothing out of it? So, um, no, I think that's really good. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the weight room and dive into it a little deeper. Um, what what types of exercises, drills, do you think are really important for baseballs to be doing, baseball players to be doing when they're in the weight room? Sure. Um, so I think, uh, you know, this comes back into like, okay, baseball specific training, what even is baseball specific training? 
Um, is there such a thing? And uh, the way I kind of describe it to our athletes and parents is like, to me, baseball specific training and what you should do in the gym is acknowledging that like your sport has 80%, 90% the same needs as a football player, basketball player, but also acknowledging that that 10 to 20% is important, right? So like you're going to see squats, you're going to see deadlifts, you're going to see rows, you're going to see bench press like you would with any other athlete. But you might see more of uh, an attention to like getting your arm in a 90-90 position when it comes to actually working on rotator cuff strength that transfers to the field. Um, so I would say one of the biggest things I think that's different about uh, the way we train baseball players and most athletes is um, more of the arm care stuff that you'll see. So instead of trap bar deadlift, then rest for three minutes, then another set of trap bar deadlift, we might throw in some uh, filler exercises to kind of get some active rest, so to speak. So trap bar deadlift into uh, a prone one arm Y on the table, uh, you know, going from a Bulgarian split squat to a kneeling ER hold exercise. But I think one of the biggest things for just like general advice for baseball players, thinking back to my own experience training when I was in high school was I would just show up to the Princeton club on the West side of Madison and not knowing any better and just cranking out four sets of barbell bench press. And I honestly cannot remember if I did any like horizontal rowing for like three straight years. Pretty sure I did like, it was like bench press, pull-ups, it's like some lateral raises and like I'm sure I did some other things too, but it wasn't like a balanced approach. And so for actionable advice for baseball players who are listening right now, um, I would say things like inverted rows, uh, one-arm dumbbell rows, three-point dumbbell rows, uh, just standing cable rows, really getting your horizontal rowing in because that's going to counteract uh, what's probably strong enough, aka your chest and your pecs. Um, and really the muscles on the back of the shoulder are really important for deceleration strength, so to speak. Um, and just really keeping a healthy shoulder by balancing out the front to back strength. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think it's, I think sometimes we see um, training get kind of too specific, like what, um, like what you said. And it's like ultimately, if you want to throw harder, um, the most specific way to do that is to actually work on throwing harder. Um, but the weight room is often a place to like develop the strength and power and single leg control and scapular stability and all those things that give you the ability to go and try to throw harder um, safely, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and I think, um, I know um, the guys at Tread have a really good uh, infographic on this, uh, showing the difference in lean body mass between um, high schoolers, uh, college athletes, pros. And I think on, I think I saw it's like 16.7 pounds difference, lean body mass, which for those of you listening, you know, it's it's your total body weights and you subtract your, your, your pounds of fat, so your body fat percentage subtract that from your uh, your your total weight that's your lean body mass and uh, I think like professionals have like another 40 pounds on the average high schooler and you know to your point Mike it's like it's about getting stronger and putting on muscle mass like that's like the name of the game for 95% of the kids regardless of sport or position yeah no absolutely especially in the, in the high school uh, age kids so all right we're gonna get into a, a controversial topic so out of the weight room, let's say um, we make you, there's a new position created, it's commissioner of all of youth baseball, and you're going to get it for a day. Um, what would you change? So are we speaking like realistic or idealistic here? Just, it's a, <laughs> let's go to fantasy land. Okay, like fantasy you, get to, you get to do whatever you want to do. What Gosh. would you, what do you think kids need to be doing a more? whole episode of? just on this right now. Um, I think um, I would have a, an official position statement saying that the emphasis for kids who are younger than 17 years old should be on preparation, not competition, or more on preparation and less on competition. Competition is still important, but, you know, we live in a day and age of, uh, you know, 
kids are all about who got like the MVP award at every single game for the 10U travel ball tournament. And like ultimately, you know, like I think that's how you burn kids out. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be youth baseball. Like obviously there should be youth baseball, but I would have an official position statement saying that like just play rec ball until you're age like 14. I mean, like you don't need to be traveling four states away for a 10U travel baseball tournament, right? Now, again, like if a kid loves it, then great. But ultimately, I would say uh, I think kids should be spending a little bit more time training. And of course, I'm very biased with this, but I think kids should be spending more time uh, making their bodies more resilient to injury in the weight room, even as young as 12 uh, and maybe even 11 or 10 on the correct program, of course. But that'd be like my first point is, is like I, we think that kids should be spending more time on preparation and less on competition. Um, I guess like what what else would I change? Uh, I don't know. What what would you change? Oh man, I'm kind of flipping the script here. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you make a really good point. You're actually the second person that's told me that in the the last two weeks. I was talking to another um, just local pitching coach that works at a high school um, that is kind of looking at um, essentially developing a a bit of a program around that. Like, let's pick the four big tournaments a year, and let's just go to those four. And let's spend all that extra time, you know, doing individual development type stuff and things like that. So I think, yeah, I think that, um, you know, that you're not alone in that. Um, I think if I could change one thing and it's probably in the same lines as you, I think I would say, I think we need to develop athletes first and then teach athletes how to play baseball. You know, there's, um, there's certain things. I don't think young kids are strong enough and stable enough to have elite level pitching mechanics or um, kind of hitting mechanics in the batter's box. They just don't have the control over their body to to actually you know do those things. And so um, I think we really push kids to you know just develop as an overall athlete, um, learn to skip and roll and run and jump and be explosive, those type of things, and kind of develop control over their body. And I can't tell you how many kids we have go through a, a warm-up and they can't skip backwards, which doesn't sound like a that important of a skill, but it's actually just like a very important thing for like motor coordination, being able to sync your limbs up in this kind of alternating pattern. And so I think a, a you know, incorporating whether it's into practices or into whatever else they're doing or changing some practice to just be uh, more general athletic development stuff, just getting a better baseline of movement in, in some of those athletes would be really good. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, we'll uh, keep dreaming about yeah. that and see if uh, at some point it starts to come, come true. Yeah. Um, I think this kind of actually goes well into the next question. So, um, you know, we're in Wisconsin, um, we have a pretty miserable winter, but uh, spring is starting to come. And so I know for a lot of the kids that, that we're seeing right now, it seems like uh, high school baseball tryouts are coming up at the end of March. Um, so a lot of athletes are starting to shift from a relatively off-season um, part of their year into uh, in-season, um, in-season baseball. And so I was kind of wondering what you see as should they continue to train? Should um, Is it not important to stay in the weight room? What do you think surrounding that? Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm currently wearing my biased hat, of course, right now because I'm running a training facility. But 
you know, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes kids make is they, they take a three month to six month break every single year. And then they're, I won't say starting back at square one, once the off season hits again, but they're just missing, missing precious time that they could be using to keep developing their bodies and uh, improve performance, but more importantly, keep themselves injury free, increase the chances that they're injury free during the season. So of course, yeah, I definitely think kids should be training in season. And we actually did something really cool um, last year. I'm not sure if you've even seen this yet, but we made a, a chart. We actually did a lot of digging into showcase data um, from the 2019 senior class last year, everyone who committed to a college. So we looked at, okay, in Wisconsin, there was like 120 kids, like these 30 went division one, like these 20 went division two, and these, you know, like 90 went division three. And we looked at their numbers back when they were freshmen, high school, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And so we can now look and say, hey, like you told us you're a, you're a sophomore in high school pitcher, um, and your goal is to be a division one baseball player. That's what you told us. The average Division One baseball player as a sophomore in high school was 84.5 miles an hour, and you're 79 right now. And so while your in-season is important, don't get me wrong, we're not saying you shouldn't play your baseball sport anymore, but right now there's a gap between your ability and your ambition. You throw 79, to be on track, you need to be 84 at this point. And so you need to train. I guess what I'm getting at right now is for, for us personally, for the vast majority of our athletes, and we tell them your in-season should, should still be your off-season. Because right now, in the context of your goals, what's more important, treating these next three months like it's your off-season uh, and being ready for a big showcase in August or being sore for a spring high school baseball practice? Yeah. Like really, like it's to, you know, for all intents and purposes, like it is still their off season in our eyes because uh, based on their goals, we'd be doing them a disservice by saying, oh, yeah, like let's take it really easy for the next three months. So, um, you know, I know it's like not exactly like a perfect answer, but ultimately we'll make changes like in season for them to make sure we're keeping them healthy and not, you know, having them go do three sets of eight, you know, hundred percent like back squats like right before they go pitch on the mound. But ultimately, uh, you know, for most kids, if they don't train in season, they are missing precious time that takes away from their ability to get to their ultimate goal. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, I think that's a really good point. Um, I know we really encourage kids to, you know, on the injury side to continue to train too, because there's there's some really interesting research that just the act of engaging in a structured training program during season is one of the best, um, you know, quote unquote injury prevention or injury risk reduction strategies. You don't even have to get, the interesting thing is you don't even have to get stronger. You don't have to see any benefits. Just the act of going into the gym and doing this is actually yeah. one of the best things you can do to help yourself stay on the field. That's incredible. One of some like neuroplasticity type, you know, components in that. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have any theories as to why, from a psychological standpoint, that'd be the case? We don't know exactly. Um, I mean, it's kind of counterintuitive. Um, we used to always say like, oh, strength is protective. That was how it was interpreted. But as we've learned more, it's like, no, it's just the act of doing it. Um, we don't know if there's... You know, some people think that there's, you know, some kind of robustness that comes out of it with like you're actually going and moving weight and doing stuff. It's probably helping you keep some of that end range stability that you talked about and just mm -hmm. kind of motor control. Um, it's maybe helping you kind of keep your range of motion normal. So we don't totally understand, but it's, it's definitely the data is pretty clear that it's definitely a key yeah. component. 
Yeah, I mean, from a confidence standpoint too, and you know, who knows exactly what the true reason is. I mean, I'm sure it's it's mul- multiple reasons why you're seeing kids who train in season, even in the absence of a strength increase, stay more resilient to injury. But um, you know, I, one thing we've been doing lately with our athletes is um, asking them when they do their reassessments here, well, would you have ranked your confidence before starting at BRX? And then like two questions later, we ask, well, would you rank it now? And it has been unbelievable. Like seeing like the, um, I wish I could show everyone here who's listening like the chart, but you're seeing like an even mix of like four to 10, five out of 10 all the way to nine out of 10, like in just an even distribution. And then um, after you're seeing like everything cluster on seven, eight, nine, and 10. And so I've been thinking like, God, this has to, this like transcends just like psychological well-being. Like you almost wonder if this really does go into physical improvement results, uh, resiliency to injury, like, you know, why wouldn't you be more resilient to injury if you just feel more confident on a baseball or softball field or any sort of athletic, you know, field of court, yeah. right? No, absolutely. And, and even getting outside of, out of sports, I mean, just, you know, improving kids' confidence in their general life. And I think, you know, just it's really cool to see kids in a gym doing stuff, you know, in this country, we have a lot of kind of a problem with sedentary um, things going around and just building some of these yeah. lifestyle habits, you know, yeah, it's, it's, awesome when you know kids go and play d3 d2 d1 baseball accomplish their goals but i think it's even cooler that kids learn the importance of exercise and how to exercise and and that as well which is you know kind of outside of uh, just their athletic performance so sure so um you said you're kind of having more kids that do keep training during the season what what changes from your impro- approach or what should change in their approach in the weight room um kind of off season to in season yeah this kind of goes back to what I was talking about just a couple minutes ago. Um, my personal opinion is that the vast majority of kids, there shouldn't be a big difference between what they're doing in the off season versus in season. Um, just from a global standpoint, is taking a broad look at their program um, because we have, you know, the the typical athlete. And this is how I was when I was in high school, but I didn't really know it at that point that you know, like I, my ultimate goal, like I wasn't at an ability level to make that a reality. And so, like, I should have been spending more time in the gym training my face off, for lack of a better way to put it, during the season. Now, at the same time, like I said, if we have a kid who's a pitcher with a history of medial elbow issues, like, I'm not going to have him gripping onto a deadlift bar for three sets of five at 80% of his 1RM the day before he goes out and pitches, right? So I think it's where, like, it's, uh, you know, trying to find where in the spectrum, like, do I go between, like, really, like, trying to minimize fatigue and not going to the other end where it's, like, no, like, it's complete offseason. There are no games happening right now. So just being realistic along that spectrum, I think, is uh, the big thing. But if, let's say, we did have a kid where, yeah, he's, you know, he's currently throwing 89 miles an hour. Like he's going to have coaches watching his games like this year in the spring and the summer. And we really are making like in season changes to make sure we're not like you putting him at a risk of blowing his arm out when he gets in the mound. Uh, some of the biggest things that we'll do is we'll focus more on the concentric movements as opposed to uh, eccentric, isometric. So for example, maybe choosing like, uh, you know, a reverse lunge instead of um, a Bulgarian split squat that's going to make, you know, him a lot more sore afterwards had he done the Bulgarian split squat. So more of a, a, a taking away more of those like really like eccentric dominant exercises. Um, what else? Um, more bang for the buck. So maybe like, you know, combining multiple qualities into one particular drill. So for example, instead of doing a side bridge and a one-arm cable row, I might do a side bridge one-arm cable row. So instead of spending you know, 15 minutes doing three sets of, of both of those drills, 
and I put them together uh, and do you know three sets of eight that might take me five to ten minutes, which will sh uh, shorten up my entire workout because I probably have two hours of practice that night. So instead of spending two hours at BRX at the gym, I can kind of whittle that down to an hour. Um, I guess the last thing I'd say too uh, for us personally is maybe reducing the rotational uh, drills in season. Kids are going to be rotating hundreds of times on the field every day. We don't need to add more to it. And in fact, probably even go more towards the non-dominant side rotation to kind of balance it out. So I know I'm kind of just getting long-winded here, but I'd say um, choosing drills that involve less of an eccentric component, um, multiple qualities at once, um, and then less rotational impact drills. So Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I think that's what we um, uh, have talked about with other athletes too is like, filling in the gaps like you're getting a lot of high speed running you're getting a lot of high speed rotation during practice what you might not be getting is some of that strength work and and uh, some of that other stuff so i think that's good um one of the things that we get a common question about a lot is uh like when should i train in season i don't know if you guys have any kind of common advice other than with high school kids whenever you have time yeah um but I didn't know if you have a, a answer to that for some of the some of the kids. Yeah, I think it's kind of like an it depends question, like everything to, um, you know, for example, I know like Corey Kluber would work out after the night of starting at like 10 o'clock in the Indians clubhouse. I remember hearing reading an article about that somewhere. And uh, so what I tell parents and athletes is I say like there, there's no in a perfect world, idealistic world, there's no better time to train than immediately after a game, uh, especially if you're a pitcher, because You'll never have more time off before your next time throwing than immediately after a given time throwing. So, but you know, reality of it is, you know, we close at eight, like kids are finishing their games at 6.30 or seven, like they can't get here for a training session, many cases after. So I kind of generally say the day after, um, you know, the day after you pitch or play, that's the best time, uh, especially if you have, you have uh, an off, a couple off days before your next game. Yeah. So, but really like the tough thing about like, especially up here with training and season is like, it just becomes a crapshoot during the season because of how many games get canceled. I mean, last year, was it last year? The day before, it was just a brutal spring. Uh, last year was awful. Last year, I think it was a lot. Yeah, last year it was just awful. And so, you know, you go into the season thinking you're going to be playing Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, your first two weeks. Every game gets canceled. And then weeks three and four, it's like literally six games that week. And so we try to like map out a calendar as far as like when you should be training, like based on your game schedule. But we just know that it's going to it's going to become a sporadic endeavor. Hey, whenever you can get in, let's get in. If the only day you can get in is the day before you're going to play another game the next day, let's trade, take it up, you know, um, kind of like on a case by case basis. When you come in, we'll talk about what you'll do that day. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. That's, we kind of give similar advice. We talk about, um, stacking stress, like within a 24 hour period as much as possible. And then buying yourself like a true downtime to like, let your body recover and things like that. Um, stuff that I've seen as other approaches, um, there's a the strength coach at, at TCU with their baseball team, um, Zach, Zach, uh, I think it's Deshant, yeah. he, he'll do like lift sometimes even the day of a game, just lighter, quicker, you know, the athletes kind of feel pretty good afterwards. They get to self-select their weights so they don't fatigue and, um, he'll even do it that way. So I think there's a lot of ways to to skin the cat or, yeah. or whatever analogy you want to use and it's just finding something that works for you within your schedule and ultimately you feel good you know following it and then just going from there so 
All right. Last couple of questions. I, I uh, added these. They're just going to be a couple yeah. of fun questions to get to wow. know Brooks a little better. Right. So the answers can be as short or as long <laughs> as you want. Um, so you're something of a, a legendary ping pong player around here. <laughs> so where did where did you develop the uh, the ping pong skills? Oh, this is a great question. I wish I got asked this more. <laughs> Um, so the earliest I can remember, like loving ping pong was my family took a vacation to Jamaica when I was in like fifth, like fifth grade. And for whatever reason, just picked it up like quickly. And, uh, then there was, um, you know, I just always just kind of play at friends' houses and I was never that good, but I was, I was pretty good. I was decent. And, uh, at, in college, people get a great kick out of this. So in college, um, at our, um, I don't even know what they call it, just like the, the rec center, really, the student rec center at lacrosse, there were four ping pong tables. And so me and one of my buddies was also on the football team at that point because uh, I played my freshman year. Uh, we would play every day, and that's when I got really good. And the funniest part about this is I actually joined the um, intramural ping pong my <laughs> freshman year at lacrosse. That's no awesome. shame, no shame whatsoever. Got my butt kicked uh, a lot, but then we got a ping pong table here at BRX, and our first couple of years, we had a couple of kids that really like just lived and breathed ping pong. And uh, that's kind of when I took my game to the next level. And I'm, I'm currently trying to find someone that can hang with me, to be totally honest. I'm usually humble about most things. This is not one of them. Like, I am a good ping pong player. I need some competition. So if we got any bona fide ping pong players in the Milwaukee area, I'm ready for you. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. I saw on Instagram that there was a, uh, a speed walking competition and you won the uh, 20 yard uh, speed walking dash. Um, any consideration to trying to qualify for the Olympics as a speed walker? Yeah. Short answer is yes. And for the sole reason of seeing the finish of the Olympic speed walking, how they just they like come in because it's like a you know, it's a big like long course, but they finish in the stadium. Yeah. And to see them like come in through like the tunnel, like out of nowhere, and to start speed walking onto the track to finish line is probably one of the coolest like <laughs> sights you can see. So for that reason only I would highly consider it. So yeah. all right, no, that's awesome. Um, all right. Favorite go to exercise for a baseball player? Uh to be totally honest with you, for most for our population, thirteen to sixteen, um, I'd say a trap bar deadlift. Not sexy, but it is the to me it's the it's the single best performance and answer. A close second would be a Bulgarian split squat. Awesome. All right. Uh little BRX specific here. Best Instagram handle for a BRX athlete. Oh my gosh. Wish I could have prepared for this one because I know there's some really good ones. Um oh. This is tough, Michael. I see. I'm not gonna give the best one because I know there are some really hilarious okay. ones out there. But uh, uh, one of our athletes, his his dad owns a business called uh, Kilps Maintenance, okay. and so his his own Instagram is Kilps Maintenance. I never understood it for the longest time, um, but now I do. That's a not a cool answer at all. But I'm I'm just it's okay. Uh, we put you ones, we yeah. put you on the spot for that yep. one. All right. Well, Brooks, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate your time and sharing this information with the local athletes. Um, thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll look forward to seeing you again on the next podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search mke sports podcast like follow or comment on today's episode if you have questions comments topics or guest suggestions reach out through that instagram account 
Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.